Hi everyone, you're listening to the Bialucci podcast, uncensored and completely unedited discussions about life and everything in it. We hope you enjoy the show. Hello, 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 hello. Hello, Charles. Hi. And hello, John. Hello, Vic. Hello, Charles. Movie hello. critic. Uh, before we, Hi, John. So we're going to talk Hi, about Theo. James Bond, aren't we? Yes. But as I just walked out the door there to, uh, I can't remember what I had to go and do. Um, um, you, I heard you mention Avatar. Yeah. So, what did you? What was this an exclusive? Um, Had you hot, seen hot off a, the press. No, no, I'm not. I'm not going to oh, say can't. anything else. Okay. Not say. I can't say anything else. Oh, yeah. why can't you? What is um, it? Embargo. Embargo. Sorry. Yeah. But so, what is it? What What's the thing? What are you doing? What's the What are you part of? Um, I, was, I went to a thing the other night, uh, screenings, previous screening. So it's all right. So um, let's not talk about that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Not that. Why, why could you not? Because there's, there's a there's an embargo. I can't say anything. But, but that's what I mean. What's the body? You, are you working for a group or a... it's it's there's it's a general press embargo. Oh, okay. okay. So I can't say anything. What? Why? What are they holding off for? Or... Because it's the it doesn't open until the sixteenth, and they're not releasing any. Um, they're not allowed to pro- publish anything until like a certain date. A certain date. Yeah. So that oh, okay. it's it's a legal embargo, and I don't want to get in trouble. Why not? Why not just wait then till it's. Oh, they want to get the reviews first because they oh. want to get the people get the reviews ready, so they're right, all okay. ready to, yeah. to rock and roll. Because then. normally, what like as you know, I I do a lot of reviews. So what will happen is, is when I do a review, the PR people send me a thing saying there's an embargo on this date. Oh, right, okay. Now, normally that's the week of release. So yeah, yeah. Um, unfortunately, because it is Avatar, yeah. and because I don't want to reveal anything, and you right. know, in, in some ways, I don't want to say anything anyway because I want people to discover it for self. So sorry about that, guys. No, 100%. What, what no. cinema did you see in at least? Um, in the Odeon, in Lent Central Square. Okay. Yeah, How much are they charging for a ticket nowadays? Um, well, I went to see Death on the Nile the other w- yeah. uh, a while back, and it was thirty-one quid. Oh, dear. What? When did you go? Um, I said, well, so that's three, you, people, that's three tickets. They said the funny thing. People were talking to me to get, they said to me, why do you get bloody limitless or something like that? Yeah, I said, yeah, no, look, right. I wanted to see it in 70 mil. Right. And I thought, look, and, and you know, foolishly now when I look back, I thought 31 quid, I thought, but that was the price of a ticket the old in Leicester Square. I mean, so it was five quid ticket. in 89. I mean, what's going on? <laughs> I, I, I remember going to see terminator salvation i think in leicester square oh yeah long yeah. time ago yeah and uh and that was about like i remember mean, it was about 18 quid or something like yeah that. it was just like oh, oh my god yeah that was about 10 years ago, like 12 years ago. and i'm like <laughs> what the hell man well i think that you know with cinemas now they've got we've cineworld have got their gift card and the limit the audience got limitless so you can watch as many yeah. films you like um i Unfortunately, I'm I'm sort of I don't care. I'll pay the money to see the bloody movie. Yeah. I have to. I was saying I, I went to see. Uh, we will get on to James Bond, yeah, by yeah. the way, guys and girls. Um, I think people know by now. Uh, yeah, it, it, it takes. Yeah, they have to skip the first yeah. five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> we will have a timestamp. To yeah. be honest, the actual episode yeah. starts here. But I went to see the Top Gun. The new Top Gun, and yeah. that was in Reading, and that was about fifteen quid. Yeah, you know, yeah. that's that, a big jump. That. That's what I mean. Like, so you just go a couple miles down the road, and it's double. So anyway, okay, right, well, James, James Jamie Bond. Bond. Okay, yeah. so um, so what has led me to do this as our podcast yeah. today? Well, the funny thing is, we're talking anniversaries because it's the sixtieth anniversary of Bond bowing on the big screen, and here's the thing: it is the fortieth anniversary of the debut on ITV Boxing Day, nineteen eighty-two, of Moonraker. Was that the first James Bond film on TV? That was not the first James oh. Bond to film on TV. The first James Bond film was, in fact, the very first James Bond, which was Doctor No, and that was in 1975. Okay. Um, just looking at some of the actual um, bits of trivia. Oh, you got your laptop with you? No, no, I've got yeah. my bone. Um, so here's, here's, a, here's a question for you guys. Um, what do you reckon are the most watched James Bond films on TV? Who holds the record on for, TV? The, you know, when a when a bomb film premiered on UK TV, who what was the most biggest audience? Oh, uh, the, the audience. Who was the it? audience? So That's when it. when people sat down and watched the thing on Saturday or something, whatever the date yeah. it was, how many? You know, I'll I'll give you ten bonus points if you can kind of guess what the bomb movie is, is, and also the amount of people who watch it in millions. It's got to be No or Gun, isn't it? It's one of the. Um, it'll be it'll be something earlier because viewing oh, figures are all, I, viewing figures are always higher because there were less channels. Oh, basically. Yes. So the, these records of highest viewing figures are always like from the same. And what I'll also do is I'll say which James Bond actually is the most watched on TV at the premiere. 
Well, we haven't got any answers to any of them. So uh, cool. It'd probably be Roger Moore, I suspect. Okay, well, you're, you're right in one case, but what I want you to do is to sort of, if you can sort of pinpoint which um, which Roger Moore Bond actually was the most watched. The biggest the biggest actual most watched Bond film of all time on Roman TV. the Crocodiles or The Laser. Going up his jeffers. Um, I, I'm gonna, I was gonna uh, take a pun. It'll be something weird. I'm gonna say live and let die because I quite like that. You are right. Oh, um, so basically, on the 20th of January 1980, um, live and let die was watched by a half the audience, which was 23 million. Who was the Bond in that one? The, the Roger, Moore. Roger Moore. Roger Moore. Oh, okay. Yafet Kato yeah. was Kananga. It was kind of at the time when Shaft and stuff was big, so it was always Mr. Big and so Pam Greer, Richard Roundtree. Um, is is another go right? What was the second most watched Bond film? Uh, You've kind of answered the question already, but what you know, just you have to kind of think along the same lines. What would you say is the next most watched Bond? Uh, I'm gonna Octopussy. I don't know. No, no, you're <laughs> actually it's it is a Roger Moore. It's the Spy Love Me, and on the 28th of March '82, which I do remember because around Easter, it was watched by 22.9 million. Okay, so. The reason I'm doing this is also because it was announced, although this is not confirmed, that they have made a, somebody has actually gauged that actually they know who the new James Bond is. Okay. Who said it and who is it going to um, be? Well, there's a newspaper report I've re done recently, which apparently, don't quote me on this, it's Aaron Taylor Johnson. And why would we know him? He's from Kick-Ass 1 and 2 and also Bullet Train. Oh, is he the, is he kick-ass in? He's the, he's what he's the guy who he's like the flawed character, and he's the one who sort of goes um, who sort of has a thing with Chloe Glace Moritz. He's the one. He's a bit the flawed character, but he's in Bullet Train, which is the Brad Pitt film, which is on a train, which is completely loopy and incredibly funny. It's basically people on a train looking after a case, but it's wonderful. It's a wonderful action. So he's he's got the chops to be a good action thing. I mean, I I was going on Henry Cavill. You know, oh, the, you know, because I think, you know, I think this is the thing in a job description. I think if you're going to be a bond, you have to have some kind of physical action. But that said, um, Daniel Craig was an actor. He wasn't a physical actor. I mean, he trained up. I don't know if you saw the the post No Time to Die documentary Being James Bond, which no. was the Daniel Craig. And there's a, if you search Being James Bond on YouTube, it's a 50 minute documentary with Barbara Broccoli, Michael G. Wilson, and Daniel Craig talking about it. Anyway, we've got to move on. It, it's always out of left field, I have to say. Yeah. Like, like the, the, the selections, you know, every time they announce a new, a new Bond, it's always people go, Really? Him? But when David Craig. What? David Craig, what's his name? Daniel Craig. When Daniel Craig was going to be a Bond. Did people know before? Did they get it right they, beforehand? Well, they cut. The thing is, is Eon is actually very smart in what their choices. They do go for it because. As they said in this documentary, Daniel Craig had actually been sort of sort of been looked up in terms of his work in things like Enjoying Love. And actually, Barbara Rocky is quoted in this documentary saying, well, every time you watch Daniel Craig, you couldn't take his eyes off him. Yeah. And apparently it was based partly on the fact that he the way that he walked in a in down a down a long hallway in Elizabeth. There's a scene where he has a swagger. Oh, yeah. So that was the thing. Anyway, so thought, do they do they interview them about how can you do this with your cuffs? I don't so know. Prince Charles. But what, what, it, but what it is, is they do... How the, how the screen test works is you are... I think you do about six screen tests. Right. And the real test is they do the scene between Bond and Tatiana Ramanova in for your, for, from oh, Russia with oh. Love, where she, she arrives, she's on the bed. Now, famously, James Brolin, who was in Capricorn 1 and the Amityville Horror, he actually tried out when Roger Moore was... You know, they were rumored that they weren't going to have Roger Moore again after Four Your Eyes Only. Mm. He actually, there's a famous audition with James Brolin going in there. The funny thing is, people like Burt Reynolds and Clint Eastwood were American actors. Mm. And even Clint Eastwood turned it down because you've got to have an you got to have an English actor. And Burt Reynolds famously turned it down and he regressed it. Yeah. It, it, so it said. Do you do we know in, in previous films who actually auditioned, who they auditioned, or do you not hear about it? You do, but you then do. but then there's a lot of politics with it. Sometimes they have to give people a nod. Yeah, because you wouldn't want to know. I think sometimes the agent will come and say, "Right, I've got these guys. Yeah. I want," and then they kind of. But it's have but it's also them. as well that you know when you look at the history of auditions. For example, Pierce Brosnan was originally scheduled to play Bond after Roger Moore, but what happened was he was in Remington Steel, and then because of the publicity around Brosnan getting the role in Bond, he actually Remington Steel extended his contract. Yeah. 
But then, of course, nine years later, he then became Bond. About eight years later, he was announced as Bond. And I think it was a good choice. With Timothy Dalton, he actually turned down the role originally because he was too young. So he kind of turned it down because he, he was back after when Sean Connery said goodbye he was going to do it but he said he was too young so but then he, he matured into it and that was it and then Roger Moore basically because George Lazenby was a bit of an arsehole on the on the set of On a Majesty's Secret Service he actually turned down a contract and then Roger Moore they decided to go with yeah. Roger Moore okay so let's get on with my so how we're going to work there's going to be some I'm going to give you some favorite things so what I'm going through is the best Bond film best pre-credits um, best girls, best villains, best, girls. <laughs> uh, best songs, best gadgets. Yeah, we, we've got an hour, John. No, no. I, I, <laughs> I hope we'll it's the top two or top three. Best lines. No, we'll I, but through I, them. But I, I'm going to go through it. And I'll also talk if we have time about yeah. the who's the most successful financially. Right, go. Okay, so my top five. At number five, it is Casino Royal 2005. As the best. As, as, the to as number five in my oh, list. As, okay, as, so... Again, the reason I say 2005 is because there's a 1967 spoof version, Casino Royale. Um, this is probably one of the most faithful Bond adaptations ever, which has been updated and cleverly done because it takes the essence of the novel and includes pretty much the, the torture scene and the famous line, the bitch is dead at the end. And it's, a, it's sort of a clever update of what bond is and i think it's as it's a near perfect introduction for a new bond i think the way that daniel craig handled it i'd read the bond novels and i got a sense that i knew where the ian were coming from because a lot of people haven't read the novels they've only seen the films and the essence of fleming is actually wonderfully portrayed in this film um it's a very it's a flawed bond, but it also has spectacle. It has some of the best sequences. I mean, the 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 free running chase at the beginning and that airport sequence is phenomenal. You know, the actual. I mean, my favorite bit in that is when the plane's coming down to land and the trucks are about to go. You know, the essence, and then you think, "Is that going to happen?" And then, you know, there's there's a sense of dynamic between it's got you know between Daniel Craig and Ava Green. It's got a really sleazy villain in Le Chief. Very memorable. Term, who kind yeah. of has who kind of has a thing for like Xavier Bardem in in Skyfall. They have a bit of a sort of homoerotic romance. I don't know whether he wants to kill him or cuddle him. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe a bit of both. Okay, yeah. so I I think for me that that to me is is a really great one. A very revolution. It really sort of. I think that at the time it was it felt felt very different, yeah. and very sort of revolutionary, very modernizing, and it felt. Yeah, I think it sort of stands out in the in the sort of pantheon as, as trying to do something a bit different with yeah. the formula as well. But it's a very smart one because I think also when you're when they take the series in a new direction, it's really good. Hmm. So next one, License to Kill is my fourth, and the reason is is because I think it's actually a forerunner of the Craig Bonds. It's a much tougher one. It set the tone. It was not well received in '89 because Bond, as you know, had been kind of family friendly and cuddly. Hmm. Then you have this rather darker version of Bond, which in fact is actually closer in spirit to the Fleming novels because he he's a bit of a he's a bit of a bastard in you know he's he's known it and the kind of the darkness of Sanchez and the you know the drug thing and the fact that it's a more it's a revenge trip he's not actually in the secret service he's actually given oh. he has to turn over his weapon um, it's also you know really good one I mean there's some really great stunts in it I think the um, you know, that you know, the whole kind of thing where it's more about, you know, the, you know, you know, the Florida Keys and the drug barons. And I think that's what the, but the series needed. It didn't need a megalomaniac, which is what it's been for. Cause it's, you know, people seem to misunderstand what a bomb film is, you know, you know, he gets a mission at the beginning, he goes out, he fucks a couple of girls, and then he and well, then he, he saves the world. And it's always a, it's always sort of a, a, a world level threat. You know what I mean? And yeah. it's, it's nicer. I think these smaller, I think those smaller yeah. sort of stories where he's like just hit squad. Well, yeah, where he's just mess, where yeah. he's just trying to mess with a cartel, a drug cartel. You know, yeah. I, think, I think I think that's interesting. You yeah. Know? yeah. Um, and also, what's like about it is the fact that M's in the field. He's actually sort of giving him the suitcase with the, um, you know, if he goes, we got everything for a person on holiday, and he, he's actually out there in the bushes. Um, number three is Honor Majesty's Secret Service, 
the George Lazenby one from 1969. Now, this is a controversial one. A lot of people will probably think, well, actually, why have you picked George Lazenby as a single one? Because it, it's, first of all, it's one of them. It's probably the most faithful of all the Bond films that has been adapted from a Bond novel because it retains virtually the essence of what it is. Um, and also as well, it's, um, I think Lazenby's very good as Bond. I think it's a shame that he he didn't really pursue it because I think I would have loved to have seen him do two or three more. Um, it also has a fantastic score. Um, it's one of the few that actually doesn't have a title song because the funny thing is, is we think of We Have All the Time in the World by Louis Armstrong, but also which, which became a number one because of Guinness ad. But it's an instrumental. Oh. The theme is an instrumental. And um, it's got some great, I mean, the Piz Gloria sequence and the um, it's got a great Blofeld in Telly Savalis who actually matches him physically all the way through. And it's quite a tragic one as well. I mean, it, it's, it's, you know, it's one of those like the great escape when Nigel Stock comes out of the hole and you think, is he going to sort of, he, he, you, you will for him not to make a sound and then he does or Steve McQueen leaves it. Again, at the very end of um, Unimagined Secret Service is kind of a, you know, it is quite an emotional thing, but it's actually... It ends on a real downer, doesn't it? So that's but, thing, it yeah. but it's But that's the essence of the book. Mm. You know, the very thing is, is it, it's an, the essence of that book is there. Um, so that is my number three. So my number two is The Spy I Love Me, which effectively is a remake of You Only Live Twice. The reason it being is that The Spy I Love Me is not a book, is a very odd book in the Fleming bibliography. Bond is a secondary character. It's basically about a woman who's on the Canadian border escaping some gangsters and Bond turns up to save her. Okay. So it's a very odd book. That, so the story goes, Fleming didn't, they, he said to the producers, you can have the title, but don't shoot the book. But that said, it could make an interesting book. It could make an interesting adaptation. If they sort of rework the elements, it might be a nice one to Canadian Mounties, Bond with the Mounties and stuff. Again, a smaller story. You yeah. Know. yeah. But they, they basically rewrote You Only Live Twice. So instead of like spacecraft, it was submarines and it's American yeah. Russia. But of course, it was the debut of the 007 stage. It's got the famous car, which we'll talk about later. And we'll talk about the theme as well, the Marvin Hamlish. But for me, it's the, I think for me, it defines the globe trotting essence of what Bond is. You know, he's in Sardinia, he's in Egypt, he goes. You know, he's... Um, it, yeah. It's very Bond. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's it's possibly yeah, it's one of the most Bond's Bond movies. Yeah. You know, when you think of all those archetypes yeah, yeah. and all those things, that, that's what you're thinking of, really. Yeah, and it's, you know, and, and also there's a very interesting, inter, you know, subplot of a revenge story between, because basically Bond kills the lover of the Russian agent. You know, in, in the opening creep credit sequence, he kills um, Sergei Bazov, who's Anya Armasova's lover. And of course... Bond and Anya sort of fall in love. And then, of course, she says, when this vision is over, I will kill you. Um, I'll also talk about some of the lines later on. So we're going to talk. And so, of course, number one, what do you think my number one is? Gun. Uh, Sean Connery one, possibly. Okay. Yeah. You haven't mentioned older. Yeah. Sean. Okay. So so what out of the Sean ones, who do you, what do you reckon that one is? From Russian with Love? No. Oh, really? Uh... Uh, Doctor No? No. Really? Okay. Uh, oh, Goldfinger? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I kind of, well, the the reason is, is I think they're all, I mean, Connery's movies are well done anyway. I think, um, I think Diamonds Are Forever is the weakest because I think the chase in Las Vegas is the high and I think the the climax on an oil rig is not, I think that's kind of a bit kind of same old. But with Goldfinger, it's the kind of set the template for the visuals and the action. I think the, you know, the cars, the gadgets, the girls, um, you know, the, um, you know, I love the Aston Martin and the ejector seat. I was going to say it's the one with the ejector um, seat, yeah. You know, it's got, it's got a great, and also it's got a really, I mean, Auric Goldfinger and Oddjob is that, you know, that they're, they're like the, for me, they are the, you know, these kind of the archetypal thing. I mean, our job is like Harold Sakata, who's this former wrestler. I mean, he really does genuinely look like he's yeah. going to tear um, Goldfinger in two. Um, 
And, you know, it's got a great score and, um, you know, the woman with gold paint on the bed. I mean, I could go on forever and stuff like that. But it's amazing that they recreated Fort Knox in the Buckinghamshire countryside. Because <laughs> it was actually all the stuff in Bond. It was not shot in America. Oh, right. It was actually, okay. they, they shot it. Like with Superman 2, they actually did the same thing again. So, you know, you remember in Superman 2 where the three villains hit that American small town? Yeah. Yeah. That was recreated on Pinewood. No, really? Oh, yeah. And you know and you know when you know when Roger Moore in the plane at the beginning of Octopus he arrives at a gas station. That was actually done in Pinewood. It's oh. amazing because 007 magazine is actually done from a they they do these special um in the 007 magazine they always talk about where they shot something. So aside from some shots in where they drive along American highways, pretty much the Ulrich Goldfinger's um, residence and the, the Fort Knox were actually created in the Buckinghamshire countryside. Has he ever not driven an Aston Martin or have they kept it, the whole, even like the recent ones? Um, well, they did a great homage in Skyfall when Daniel Craig and M, when Daniel Craig and Judy Dench drove back up to Scotland, they actually, they, they went, they sort of drove one car and then they went into a garage and then the, the Aston Martin from Goldfinger oh, okay. turned up. Oh, right. Um, so that's my top five. So we're going to move on to pre-credit sequences. Right, you're going to lose me on these. So but basically the pre-credit sequence... I can basically only see uh, a parachute with Britain. <laughs> I can't think of any other So the, 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 the main title sequences were pioneered by Morris Binder, who um, basically did these intro things with these girl, girls in silhouette and yeah. it was done to a song. Um, he told a very funny story. He did an NFT interview where when he was doing For Your Eyes Only, Sheena Easton misinterpreted what a Bond song should be. So... She watched the L put the end, the pre-credit sequence where Blofeld was shoved down a chimney okay. and he said, put me down, put me down. And basically Trina Reeson thought that a song title of the song should be put me down. And then he said to her, no, no, it's for your eyes only. So for your eyes only, or, you know, um, Thunderball, all this. <laughs> Those choir lessons have come in a tandy. <laughs> <laughs> But um, so my top five, um, top five pre-credit sequences, GoldenEye, which is a wonderful rendition of gold and um, the Russian things, you know, the actual, um, you know, the, the hammers and stuff, the hammer and sickle, you know, it's a really nice golden one with the gun barrel. And then it sort of sets up the, I think anyway, Tina Turner did the song for that one. So it was a, 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 a Sean Bean, yeah? Yeah, that was the one where he played Alex Trevelyan, yeah. 006, and he sort of went off, stuff like that. Number four is The Living Daylights. Aha, but a really nice little atmospheric one from 1987. How did uh, that one go, John? <laughs> ah, The Living Daylights. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, yeah. Jung, jung, jung. I didn't know it's yeah. Aha, though. Okay. Hey, driver, where we're going. They get, they get I swear my yeah. nerves are showing. Um, and number three, Honor Majesty's Secret Service, which is a really nice one because that actually turns the clock back and they do a montage of images from the previous Bonds mm. from Dr. No to um, You Only Live Twice. Okay. And um, number two is Casino Royale, which is all the jacks and the card players and stuff, which it, which sets up that. But it's interesting because the pre-credit sequence, which is in black and white, where he, he, offs, he earns his double O status. Yeah, yeah. But the difference is it actually kicks off with a goes from black and white into color and actually shows the gun barrel in red goes in that so that's really good and then my number one is spy spy love me which is um oh that's actually i'm i'm talking pre-credits not pre i'm talking not the the montage but the pre-credits so golden eye is the leap from the um from the dam Yes. Yeah. The living daylights is actually the drive along the the long narrow road in Gibraltar Okay. On a Majesty's Secret Service is the fight on the beach. Casino Royale is the black and white montage yeah, where yeah. he offers two things. Yeah. And then Spy Love Me is the, okay, so it's the Rick Sylvester the leap off um, Baffin Island where he leaps off the thing and the, the parachute opens. Yeah. Okay. In there anyway. Yeah, so. yeah, that's, the, that's the very, very, very. Yeah. Famous. So that was it anyway. So we're on to girls now. My top five bongos. Okay. Keep your finger on that yeah. edit button. Okay, okay <laughs> chaps, let's tread carefully yeah. here. John, <laughs> it's 2022. Yeah, okay. 23. Okay, so... The lovely what, ladies. So the lovely <laughs> ladies. So okay. Oh, to be funny, girls was more apt at the time. <laughs> well, it's bong girls. I mean, yeah, what, yeah, what yeah. do you want, guys? Come yeah. on, okay. 
So, um, at number five, it is Jill St. John, Tiffany Case in, in Diamonds Are Forever. So she's the one with the diamonds in Amsterdam and they scoff. So mm. that's stuff like that. So Are she, you rating them on the characters? It's not just, it's like a view pageant. <laughs> I'm rating, I'm rating because I think they are, for me, they are the, they are most they're, interesting. They're, they're, well, they're interesting to me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's like These are the strongest characters. Yeah. The, strong yes. character. the most interesting. The best actresses. Yeah. Actors, but, yeah. They're, but they're all good anyway. Yeah. Um, so at number four, Diana Rigg, Tracy DeVicenzo from Honor Majesty's Secret Service, who I think was really, majestic and elegant a bit of a sport brat but then sort of found love with bond but sadly it was yeah. not to be because you're doing like anyway um number three ava green vestibule lind casino royale okay she's she actually is really a nice there's a nice dynamic between her and bond and there's i love the sequence in the train where they're sort of weighing each other up and she, they're talking about well what what do i know about what do you observe from me what they're surmised and they talk about this kind of barren thing about beauty and you know as as much as i i am as much as um charming as you are i'm gonna keep my um my eye on our money enough you're perfectly formed ass and he says you noticed and stuff uh number two is hannah blackman pussy galore goldfinger yes yeah she's uh but she she's, she's very talented yeah. uh, well i was gonna say she's uh, yeah she's one of these people um who didn't do enough because she's great. Like whenever she does turn up and stuff, I'm always like, "Ah, oh, she's great. Why didn't she mm. do more? You know, cause she's really great. But she does match it. I mean, the fact is when, when Bond is actually on the plane, when she's on the plane, it, you know, it sort of has that, goes into focus and he goes, I'm pussy giving go and, and Sean Curry goes, I must be dreaming. Now, what do you think my number one Bond girl is? Well, who's the one that got painted in gold? Oh, gold, uh, golden gun. Oh, what's her name? Doctor No from Doctor No. No, that was uh, that was um, that was Jill Masterson. I'd give her that just for the effort. Sure, Shirley, that was Shirley Eaton, but um, she is not my favourite Bond girl. Okay, pray do tell. Um, well, I'm actually going for Claudine Auger, who was Domino Duval in Thunderball. Simply because she's incredibly gorgeous. I mean, she's she looks really, you know, she's she's nice. I mean, I I think she's very beautiful. So I'm, I you know, because she's, you know, a beautiful French lady, and yes, very talented, yes, and a, and a good strong character. Yeah, yeah. so yeah, yeah, good. But um, <laughs> so that's that's my top five girls, talented. Cool. Uh, we're off, uh, we're <laughs> off those <laughs> now. Top five women. Yeah. yeah, you can relax. So now. we're gonna go on to villains. Uh -huh. Aha. Yeah. Has there been a Bond female villain yet? Yeah, there was um, There was Sophie Marceau who played Electra King in The World Is Not Enough. <laughs> what year was What year was 1999. That? Oh, okay. She's the one that basically sort of, yeah, she basically sort of caused the assassination of her own father and then wanted to sort of um, basically create an explosion to sort of transfer all the oil from her pipeline. Oh, okay. Because they had like an Eastern European pipeline. Yeah. Um, Sorry, what's that? That was uh, Zen. No, as a main character, oh, Sean right, yeah. Bean. But she's a Famke Jansen was Famke Jansen was Zenia Onatop, who is actually a very good henchman. Um, but she's, you know, when she tries to crush, you know, using crushing people, women, guys with their legs and stuff. If you've got to go, oh, right, you yeah. know, if you've you got to go somewhere, you yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. So um, here are my top five villains. So at number five, Max Zorin, Christopher Walken in uh, A View to a Kill. Um, I think a large part of that is mostly because of Christopher Walken because he's just great. Yeah. But, he, but that said, I think he's actually a terrific, he's a terrific match for Bond because he, you know, although... I have mixed feelings about the actual film itself. I think he's he's a really terrific Bond villain, and I think the fact that he he sort of doesn't waste any time. I mean, the bit in the in the airship where he goes, oh, you know, right. of course we must we we have to continue our scene in private. And he, he gets one. This Japanese businessman goes out, and then Grace Jones pulls it on. He slides out and ends up falling out the top. And he goes, "Does anybody else want to drop out?" <laughs> <laughs> So um, that's that's, what, that's the one Grace Jones as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And with Dolph Lundgren in a brief cameo. As no, well. he is oh, in there. Really? Yeah, he's in. He's in. There's there's a scene where Grace Jones raises a thing and actually raises one of the, the you know um, General Gargoyle's men. Yeah, and actually you can see Dolph Lundgren in the background. And of course, Grace Jones and Dolph Lundgren had a thing. Yeah. Apparently. Oh, okay. Right. Okay. 
So number four is te- is Telly Savalas, Ernst Stavel Blofeld in Honor Majesty's Secret Service, which I think is a really terrific, you know, his his kind of um he's more again like Zorin, he's a match for James Bond. I mean, the way that he talks about, you know, using these girls in piss glo- peace gloria to <laughs> Piers Gloria yeah. to um, sort of spread some virus throughout the world. So uh-huh. um, Joanna Lumley's part of it. Catherine Schell, who was in, um, who was in Space 1999. Jenny Hanley, who went on to be in Magpie. She's one of the girls in that okay. one. But he, but the fact that it's right up to the very end when they have the wonderful, where Lazenby is being chased by them by skiing. Um, here's a bit of trivia for you. Sean Connery never skied in a Bond movie. You mean it was all stunts? All stunts? No, no. What I'm saying to is, if you think about it, everybody else, um, oh, you know, when when you look at it, Roger Moore skied and George and George Lazenby skied and Roger Moore skied, but Connery never skied in any of the films. If he'd done On a Majesty's Secret Service as his last one rather than Diamonds Are Forever, that would have been actually the accumulation. Um, he was too busy going hot places. I think I just think I'd yeah. never see him in the snow. He's like, no, nah, I'm not doing that. <laughs> yeah. But he's um, but Blofeld. I think he's he's a very smooth villain. I mean, Telly Savalas is fantastic. The way that he sort of goes, he sort of he's he sort of coordinates everything, and he's and actually he sort of causes Bond to get afraid at one point when they're in the little village down below. He's Bond is actually scared, and then he's rescued by Tracy, and they go off in their car and do that that wonderful stock car sequence and stuff. So that's my number four. Number three is Franz Sanchez, Robert Davi in License to Kill. Um, I think he's a wonderful villain because, again, he's he doesn't pull any punches and you genuinely think he could actually kill Bond, but he's also a very ruthless villain. I mean, right at the very beginning when he goes, he says to um, Talisa Soda, he goes, what did he promise you? His heart? Give his heart. And then Benicio del Toro gets the thing out. <laughs> and then he whacks him with... Um, you know the the iguana, the the tail of the iguana. <laughs> um, you know, poor Talisa Soho. Um, and number two, well, we we can't go with the list of villains without mentioning Jaws. Yes, Richard Keel, who actually turned up in two Bond movies, Spy Love Me, and then in Moonraker. But he's he's such a lovable character. I mean, I, I think the first time when he's with Stromberg on the on the actual on uh, Atlantis, and he says. Anybody who comes into contact with that microphone is to be limited. And then it goes up to a close up of the opposite. <laughs> like that. But he he also has some fun moments. Although that said, I wasn't quite convinced by the love story between her, him and the um the the woman on the spacecraft where, you know, when when they're on that cable car and he goes through and there's there's a moment of love like that. Yeah, he, he had a, a quick heel turn, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> he went from hero uh, villain to went hero. To, but, it, to... but but it but that said, uh, I think yeah, yeah. but I think also as well the way I mean that sequence on the train where he's actually fighting bond in the in the the cape the the carriage um so that's my number two what do you think my number one is we've already had a blow felt um is it obscure or is it an obvious it's an early one an early one uh don't know. Go on. What is it? It is Odd Job and Goldfinger. Type oh, okay. number one. Because I think Goldfinger is incredibly, you know, Ulrich Goldfinger, I think he's fantastic. But I think Harold Sakata is Odd Job. The fact that he's silent and he doesn't, he's ruthless in killing people. I mean, when he, at the climax of um, in Fort Knox, he's, you know, there's a there's a guy guard with a key and he goes, we've got to stop the one. He just throws him off the top of the <laughs> thing there. Has he got any lines? He doesn't. He just goes, ah. There's one, yeah. you know, during the in the golf game, he goes, you know, and like he, he he sort of sees the ball, he goes, aha. I think that's, that's his only line of dialogue. <laughs> <laughs> what did he go on to do? He didn't do anything. I think no? he was a bodyguard, and then he, I think oh, he right. he passed away some uh-huh. some years ago. Okay, so we're going to talk about songs. So here are my top five songs. Okay. So go on, go for it. Okay, so at number five, we're going to go for Duran Duran of You to a Kill. Yeah. Which I think is the best of the modern, which is actually one of the best of the Bond songs ever. I think it's a great '80s song, and it encompasses Duran Duran, but it encompasses the um, the Bond theme anyway. So that's 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 my number five. Number four, "Live and Let Die," Paul McCartney and Wings. Okay, oh. I would have had that higher because I think that actually that 
song kind of slaps like it's actually that, that's how, actually how did that song. one go what was the live and let it die oh yeah 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 what does it matter yeah. to you that's, yeah. that's like a you got a job like, to do you gotta like, do it well you gotta get the other song. fella hell <laughs> um, um and number three goldfinger because again i think that to me is goldfinger he's the man the man with the mildest touch the smilest touch um it's because it, you know i mean the I love the lines in it where it says, you know, golden world's words he will pour in your ear, but his life cannot disguise what you fear. When a golden girl knows when he's kissed him, it's the kiss of death. I think also the the actual orchestration of it, of it's really good anyway. Um, and number two, you only live twice, Nancy Sinatra, um, which again is 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 a wonderful, um, very atmospheric thing, you know. And I I like. It, the way that it's fused with the in, the images, it really is. Um, and that one go. You only live twice. Oh yeah, sort yeah. Sort of has a slight oriental. Yeah, well, yeah, So yeah. it seems. Sort of, uh, one in your life and one for your dreams. <laughs> <laughs> and so, what do you think my number one is? Uh, I don't know because I would have gone. For what's it. the Shirley one? Shirley, um, what's her name? Shirley Bassey? Shirley Bassey. Well, she did, she did like, you've, I've already done one of those yeah, with Goldfinger, yeah. but she did oh. like Diamonds Are Forever and uh, Moonraker. But she is not my number one okay. song, so. Who is it? It is Nobody Does It Better by Carly Simon, The Spy Love Me. Okay. The reason I picked it is simply because the lyrics are really encompass what it is. So nobody does it better. Baby, you're the best. Nobody does it half as good as you. So that's the one that I've picked as thing. I would say that said, I agree with you. Live and Let Die probably would have placed her, but if it wasn't for no, nobody does it better. That that's a better representation of the character as well. Is that because some of them are interesting? Because some of them are very much about the plots yeah. and the film that they're talking about. But then they're also kind of good songs on their own. You know, like yeah. Goldfinger and stuff. It's yeah. kind of. When you listen to lyrics, that that is very much talking about song. the film yeah. and it's describing the film. But actually, it's kind of a cool song as well, you know. Well, here's the thing. Um, I was at the London Action Festival in July and David Arnold performed two live script performances of, he actually did an acoustic version of You Know My Name by from Casino Royale. Oh. So it was just him singing. But he said, actually, the thing about it is, is all the songs that the Bond songs are about are actually about, are done from a female perspective. And David Arnold said, that well, actually... They haven't had a song about Bond done from the Bond perspective. So when you listen to the lyrics, you know my name. This because from my brain, she goes, "You're just next in line." If you listen to the, I've I've been watching the actual lyrics quite closely. It goes, "I've seen diamonds cut from blinding heights, and you yourself is not no. You yourself aren't so divine. You're just next in line. Arm yourself because nobody here will save you." this you they will replace you you know and and the lyrics actually talk about the fact that he's dismissing the character because that's the thing about it bond bond can only be you know he can only go from relationship to relationship so those are my top five songs and um we're going to talk about gadgets and cars now so this is my top five so at number five i'm going to go for the safe cracker case from on a majesty's secret service a safe cracker case. So what it is, is essentially what it is, is Bond's been suspended from duty and he's determined to find out about Blofeld. And in a suspended nutshell... Suspended for being too awesome. So he way. goes to, so he goes to a, um, he goes to a solicitor in Switzerland called Gumbolt. And he basically sort of goes into the office and he's looking for documents. So which can sort of, which apparently are applications by Blofeld to prove his title. He's doing it. So... What it is, he has a henchman. He he gets like there's a there's a um, there's a building site over the road. So he puts this case into the into the, you know those drums that you know when you know when they're sort of when they're sort of putting things you know when they're sort of trans like I don't know it's like oil or something a barrel barrel. So there's a yeah a barrel, and basically the barrel comes around and he's got an hour to get it. So he gets this case, puts it in, puts it up to the the safe ring, and it actually sort of sort of calculates the actual combination and opens it up right. and then basically he sort of does cut and it also is a photocopier so he can so what it is is he sort of he, he he photocopies the documents puts them back in the safe then sort of pans it out into barrel puts it down then walks out casually with the playboy <laughs> so it's actually um you know it's a really cool thing anyway so 
that's that one. And number four, I've changed the order around, but the reason, but you'll understand why in a minute. So number four, I'm going for the key ring in the living daylights. So there's a key ring which um, M gives him, which basically he does. Um, there's two things that it does, and but I like it because he does the first few bars of Royal Britannia, and that creates a gas that stuns everybody for 30 <laughs> seconds. The second one is to create an explosion. Yeah. He actually does a wolf whistle, and that creates there's a little mini explosion in the actual um, key ring. Yeah. <laughs> and it's used very that's the wonderful thing about a bomb film is the actual um the the way that the actual you know you, you when you see m sort of talk about the demonstration of it you're sort of seeing when is it going to be used and then you know when yeah. it gets pulled out S set up and pay off though, set yeah. off and pay off so at number three um at number three i'm going to go for the dark gun in moonraker there's actually a wrist gun, wrist dart gun. So what it is, is it's activated by nerve impulses in the wrist muscle. So at the very beginning of the film, you know, it's got like five armor piercing heads, five, um, five things. And so basically it goes, it's activated by wrist muscle and then it, it opens up and then it ends up with like a, a dart in the, in, in the arse of a horse on a image. And then wow. M goes, well, thank you, 007. <laughs> and then there's a very funny line where he goes, very novel cue. We should get him in the stores for Christmas. <laughs> So that's my number um, two, three. And number two, I'm going to go for the suitcase in the exploding suitcase in From Russia With Love. Just an exploding suitcase? It's what it is, is there's a, there's a, ga there's a gas canister. It's a <laughs> gas canister. So what it is, is um, in the outset, like um, the usual thing. So M brings in this suitcase and he says, you've got to turn the, the catches a certain way. If you right. normally with a suitcase, you just flip the catches up. And it and that's how you open. But this, if you open it like the catch is exposed, what you have to do is turn it slightly, do it like that, and then of course it's the actual thing they use in the very wonderful fight between him Connery and Robert Shaw in the climax. It just it's a wonderful explosive thing, and then it's it's that's a wonderful thing. I think it's a great, really great gift that they have. So that's my number two. What do you think my number one is? This is gadgets, is it? This is ga well. It I would say it extends to cars as well, yeah. but gadgets and cars. Well, but the Austin Martin possibly, if we're going to include cars, it's notable absence there. Yeah, it is a gadget car. Let's yeah. Say. yeah, but yeah. but I that's what I was saying because I was thinking, well, how do you define when you think of the? This is the thing about when you look at Bond. You think, well, actually, a car is a gadget. The the way the way the cars go now. It's introduced as well. Like, who comes along, goes, right, here's the car and here's the gadget. It's, it's in the gadget yeah. section. Yeah. It's in the gadget department. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, the thing about this is my, my actual favourite gadget come car is the Lotus Esprit from Spy Love Me. Oh, yeah. So, here's the thing. We talk about the Aston Martin in Goldfinger. Now, I love the Aston Martin Goldfinger. I like the fact it's got the flip plates. I like the little, I like the actual map where he goes, he goes, and Connery says, well, that would be a good one for a quick one on the way home. But it, the wonderful thing is when you look at, like, sat-navs now this is actually the first it's it's ahead of its time yeah. and you know and you know like the you know the, the you know the actual um the blade that actually cuts up um cuts up the cars and stuff but the and the ejector seat but with the lotus esprit the funny thing is the way it's introduced in the spa love me the car i mean you you think it's going to be in the in the showroom and you're going to he's going to talk it through but the funny thing is it's not introduced like that it actually is driven by m in Sardinia, and then Q goes, well, pay attention, 007. You know, we've got some things to do in it. And, um, you know, and he says, Q, have I ever let you down? So, of course, we go off, and you don't know what this car's going right. to do. But yeah. once the car actually, but you then realize it's in the chase and then subsequently in the in the ocean thing when it got, becomes a submarine. So it's a submersible. And I think that's the other thing as well. Um, but I'm also going to give an honourable mention to my little friend, Little Nelly, from You Only Live Twice, okay. which is the um, the the, gyro, the heli helicopter, which is this wonderful thing that actually sort of battles four helicopters, and yeah. it's got like rockets, it's got like aerial mines and okay. stuff. So I think that's my honourable mention. Okay. He assembles it. It's a little sort of kit-built oh, helicopter, right. and he yeah. sort of yeah sticks all these bits together. He's flying this. It's like a microlight kind of oh, thing. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so we're going to talk on famous lines. Here are five. Here are my five favorite lines. 
So at number five, I'm going for one from Diamonds Are Forever. And it's a wonderful thing where um, it's at the casino in the, the hotel. And anyway, in a nutshell, what it is, is um, Plenty O'Toole, Lana, Lana Ward, basically is a is a thing in um you know well there's a PG famous like, movie go, no but he says he goes i'm plenty or two he goes i'm named after your father i think goes, goes would you like some member, help you know? would you like some help on the craps <laughs> but anyway long sister so he's won he's won money on the crap tables in a manner of speaking anyway they go back to his hotel room anyway they are confronted by all these um gangsters in the room so a gangster picks and he goes I've got people in this town. And he throws her out the window. Anyway, Connery says, good shot. And then the gangster says, I didn't know there was a pool down there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and the funny thing is, it's it's such it's such a wonderful line because you just think, you know, and this is the wonderful thing about the whole thing anyway. So that's my number five. My number four has got to be Honor Blackman's introduction where she, she when when the camera goes, she goes, I'm pussy galore. You know, something like that. So that's my number one. Um, and I'm actually good for number three. I'm going to go for Dr. No, which is there's a wonderful sequence. There's a, there's an early car chase and there's a hearse going along and the hearse is being done and Bond does it. And then the, the hearse goes down the, the cliffside and explodes. And then the guy who's seen, he goes, what, what's all, what was, what's happened? He goes, I think they're on their way to a funeral. <laughs> and then, um, and my number two spoiler alert is the climax is the line. That's the, very final line that Roger Moore utters at the end of the spy love me where Bond and Amasova are, they've escaped from Stromberg all spoilers, but mm. I'm going to say it. So they've got this little safety capsule from Atlantis and they're in bed and basically they're being picked up at the aircraft carrier and you've got general Gogo and M and they're going M 007, you know, what is, what are they doing? And then Bond just goes, keeping the British end up, sir. <laughs> And then I think, what do you think my number one favorite line is? I mean, it was that's. I mean, you could just turn around and went, "Fuck off." <laughs> so yeah, I think that's first. <laughs> okay, so what do you think my what do you think my favorite all time line of a Bond film is? Is it a death scene? It is. Well, it's a near death scene, oh. and it's an early Bond. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a clue there. Shocking. Yeah, absolutely shocking. It's in the same film, oh. but it's it, you. It's it's later on in Goldfinger, okay. but I mean, something about you can fly feathers. Without quite no, that's in Spy Love Me. Right, but yeah. this this to me is put this epitomized. This is probably the the all time great exchange in a bomb movie, and it's actually made the top number one. It's the number one oh, yeah. quote in a bomb movie, and it's actually been done by polls of bomb fans. Well, then what is it? Put us out of misery. Okay, so Bond is on a table, and there's a oh, laser. Okay, yeah, there's yeah. a laser. Oh, okay, there's yeah, a laser. Yeah. And of course, the laser's going heading up to his um, middle. Wallet. <laughs> anyway, Connery says, um, and he's tired. He goes, "Good night, Miss Bond." He goes, uh, "Do you expect me to talk golfing?" He goes, "No, Mister Bond. I expect you to die." Yeah. Which is, yeah, yeah. and it's the fun. The funny thing is the the. But what's wonderful about that is the actual thing is that it's actually one of the big cliffhangers of the series itself. It's such a wonderful moment because. Bond is actually like this. And you think, how is he going to get out there? And of course, he uses a bit of mind game. He goes, Grand Sam, he goes, you do want to take that chance? And then, of course, he gets shot with a dark gun and he ends up on the plane. That's where he, he's pussy galore. So those are my top on, five. So, so I can't remember. So he's tied down. What happens? He's tied down. So what it is, is the laser is coming yeah. towards him. And of course, you know, and, and he says, you know, he goes, a couple of words you heard. He goes, do you want to take that chance? And then he turns the laser off and goes, you are right, Mr. Bond. You are useful to me alive. And then they put a bullet in him and then oh, he wakes right. up on a plane. Oh, so that's okay. it. So we're going to talk a little bit. We're going to talk money now. And I'm going to show, I'm going to sort of throw this out there. Who do you think is the, we're going to look at the six James Bonds that have played. Who do you think is the most successful financially? Is this adjusted for inflation? Yeah. This is gem. This is gem. This is. I was doing a bit of research before I came, and I'm just going to go. This is approximations in dollars of who is the most successful bond. Okay. So what I'm, I'm going to, what I'm going to do is, I'm going to sort of throw this out there, and I want you to name the top three in ascending order. <laughs> just as an idea, just, just give order. me. What I'll do is. Look at the six that you've look at the six James Bonds you got, and just make make a wild guess as what you think the top three are. 
Is it going to follow that they're all modern, the modern ones? Well, the, it's it's Bond itself. So okay. if you think about it, based on the fact that, you know, they've done, probably all I'll say is the, think of the ones that have done multiple Bonds. Don't think, okay, I'm going to take two out, Lazenby and Dalton, because yeah. they only did two. Lazenby yeah. did one, did two. Yeah. So out of the four, I will sort of, I'm I'm going to sort of tell you, I'll, I'll sort of just have a go and just see what you think. Uh, it's starting one, two, three. I'm going to say Daniel Craig, uh, yeah. Sean Connery. Sean Connery. Those, those Sean Connery films made a ton of money at the time. But remember, uh, but bear in mind, take into account the the success of the later ones as well. So take it. The varying factors are, you know, if you take into account the success at the box office. Remember, even with inflated adjusted dollars, well, it's actually quite significant. I mean. The actual, you'll be quite surprised to find out actually who is actually the top, the, the top three money makers. So just have, have uh, a think about it and just, just, just make a prediction. I, I'm, you know, 10 bonus points to get. Don't worry if you're wrong. Don't, I'm just sort of throwing it out there for you. Okay. Yeah. That's just a guess. Cause Daniel Craig, just because I think that, you know, they're, they're modern ones yeah. and there's a lot of hype and yeah. every they're, film, they're seems, every film seems to be the biggest film ever yeah. and making a billion. So it's a big blockbusters make an awful so lot. It's definitely them. Sean, uh, Roger Moore, Sean Connery and blah, blah, blah. What's it? Uh, well, no, I think what's his name? Who's yeah. the Irish chap? What's his? Okay. So you've, what, what have you put as number one? Uh, Daniel Craig. Okay. Who's the Irish chap? Pierce Brosnan. Pierce Brosnan. Oh, wow. Space yeah, on his name. So, I'm going to put Sean Connery number. But, well, I'm going to put, okay, but um, Pierce Brosnan two and then uh, Sean Connery. Well, I'll give you full marks, two out of three. But here, this is this is the actual going from top to bottom. So, the last in, in last place, it's George Lazenby with 82 million, which is pretty good for one bond. Okay. Timothy Dalton actually, in a, you know, made his films made a total worldwide of 347 million. The biggest surprise is, is that Connery only made 632 million. He did a lot as well. He did a lot as well. Yeah. Seven, you know. Roger Moore is third with 1.1 billion. Pierce Brosnan is second with 1.4 billion. And you are absolutely right. Daniel Craig with is top with 3.9. I thought Pierce Brosnan would be up there. I would have thought he'd been up there. Okay. So here's, here's another one to go for. So this this is another test for you. So the top this is the top five inflation-adjusted bonds of all time. So I'm gonna throw that out there and I'll I'll say there are there are five movies. But also remember, right? This is the other thing to bear in mind. Although Daniel Craig is the most successful bond of all time. You've got to think in terms of inflation yep. adjusted. So think back 60 years and yeah. look at the bond movies that you might think of there. So there are five titles and I'm going to throw that out there and I'll, I'll be, I will give you 10 bonus points if you can name the top three. Top three. I think Doctor No is up there. Yeah, it's going to be the classic. Because I think Doctor No, as I said, I do think Doctor No was a, was a massive hit yeah. at the time. That's that's what spawned. They suddenly thought, oh, right, we need to make yeah. sequels of this. And then they were successful. And then they that, that sort of yeah. kicked the whole thing off. So like I say, Doctor No is probably up there. Majesty's Service uh, has got to be, that's, that's pretty well known, but I don't know if it's just... As you're saying, I think uh, just, for, for inflation, yeah, yeah, it's a single film for inflation. That, that's 87 million back then. Crazy, yeah, crazy yeah. numbers back then. Um, was there a wild card one that made a load of money that wasn't Goldeneye Goldeneye yeah I'd I expect Goldeneye. that to be the one because that was the sort of return he'd been away for a few years oh really okay. you know because it's oh, they've right, been a break yeah, yeah. and then well the, the the whole reason about that was was that the the problem was is I think I've touched on it in the previous podcast is the fact that there was a major legal battle between Broccoli oh. and MGM. So yeah. Giancarlo Peretti was the owner of MGM at the time. And what he was trying to do is he was trying to sell off to fund, fund his own problems. He was going to use the Bond <coughs> Library <clears throat> as a way of financing his own sale of MGM. So Broccoli said, can't do that. This is, this is, this is my property. Can't do that. So, for about five years, there was actually a thing, and they didn't start thinking about Newborn until 1994. Timothy Dalton was actually scheduled to do a third bond, but then because of the legal things, it was too long, and he said, I can't do this anymore. So that was what happened. Okay, so there are... So th I've got the five titles down. So um, I, will, I will give you 10 bonus points if you can name the top three. Top three. I'm going to go... Yeah, all go. the main ones. You know. Doctor No, yeah. Goldeneye, and uh, uh, Casino Royale. Okay, 
Go on, what is that? Well, it's quite surprising. You'll be quite surprised. This is the, the inflation adjust. This is what I've worked on on the bond dossier. This is what it's done. So, and number five, it's live and let die with one billion. Okay. Okay. Number four is Spectre with one billion. Hmm. Wow. Number three is Goldfinger with 1.1 billion. Number two, up until recently, was the most successful one. It was Thunderball with 1.2 billion. And the most successful bond film of all time in terms of inflation-adjusted dollars is Skyfall with 1.3 really? billion. Really? Yeah. 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 So, um, so just going back, actually, and just going back to what I did before, because I talked about pre-credits, this is actually my top five title sequences. So we are going back to it. Okay? So interesting enough, because I was sort of going for the first ones. Yeah, I was, I was operating under diminishing returns there. Yeah. And uh, it seems interesting that the sequels like are making more money. Yeah. The, the, the... Well, that's the thing. It's like, I think since Brosnan, when Brosnan took over, this is the other thing is, the irony of it is, is, Craig was probably the most, the least, least, least liked choice as Bond when he came out, and yet he's become the most successful. So the thing is, is whoever takes over with Aaron, like say if Aaron Taylor-Johnson's going to take over, I think it will be interesting to see, A, what they do with it because of what happened in No Time to Die, because the fate of three key characters was decided in No Time to Die, probably because they wanted to complete Craig's arc. But I did feel it was a bit selfish because I think it was a shock. I mean, I was still, I'm still slightly recovering from No Time to Die in terms of what it is because it is a, um, although that's it, I think Rami Malik was fine. And I did like, um, I think Leah Seydoux was really good in it as well. Um, it was, again, it was, it was trying to do something a bit different. And it was interesting that, that it went there and it, and it sort of had a full stop. Yeah. To it, you know. So my final bits for the oh. this this podcast were finally there. These these are the I'm gonna leave you love you and leave you with my favorite title sequences. So at number five, we're gonna go for Doctor No, because it actually the 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 reason I pick it is because I love the opening scene where with the the lines and stuff, and then it cuts into like these silhouetted women, and then it cuts to three blind mice and the three black guys in Jamaica who kill strange ways. They, it's, they sort of turn up and stuff like that. So the style of it is actually, um, you know, it sort of sets up the style of this, you know, these pre-credits, mm. these title sequences. And number four, I'm going to pick Diamonds Are Forever because I like the, um, you know, Diamonds Are Forever and the, and the, yeah. it's like one that. of the, it's yeah, one of the one most, one. uh, uh like lady yeah. ones. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> and number three, I did talk about it earlier, the Casino Royale um, card style thing with all the, the, the oh, roulette yeah, wheels cool. and stuff. And number two, I'm going for Live and Let Die, which is the voodoo one, which the is the, with the skull stuff, and stuff, yeah. the actual, and the music is, you know, and it, it's it's also the music and the actual. Why do, what do you like about it so much? It's, it's, it's the fusion of the music, yeah. but it's also the visuals. I mean, when it goes like, when they have like a, there's a voodoo, there's a voodoo witch woman and then it sort of cuts from her face to her with the eyes and then it cuts to like a, a burning skull. Oh, okay. It's kind, of, uh, it's kind of cool with a, with a sort of rocking soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of, yeah. And, um, and I mean, my, my favorite pre-credit sequence, and actually I have to say this, the, you know, you, you only, yeah, title screen, the own, you only live twice was the first bomb movie I ever saw on TV. It was, they did an ITV screening on a Sunday. And I remember it was, um, that was the first time I ever saw you, you know, a bomb movie on TV. Moonraker was the first film I saw on the big screen, oh. but, um, but yeah, so, <laughs> again i like the my favorite shot in there is that as the credits end it actually shows a silhouette of the mountain and then it cuts it fades in and it dissolves to actually the hong kong harbor and i love that thing and the i like the the japanese um the geisha girls and stuff like that and the um the fusion so that to me is that to me is my sequence i mean of course disclaimer to anybody listening out there you have your own choices you have your own preferred you you probably have your favorite bongo you have your favorite one villain so all i say is is i'm happy to disagree with you and i'm happy to embrace what we chances are so thank you very much and happy anniversary to the- and happy 60th <laughs> anniversary and let's um and let's look forward to what the next bond is i mean there'll be an official announcement in march of 2023 they haven't quite decided although the rumor has it they've already shot the gun barrel thing from there so 
I guess we'll find out soon anyway. That'll be probably be the teaser, won't it? Yeah. Yeah. I suspect they'll do a teaser trailer before they've got the film locked in of just who it is. You know, What's your bit. favorite three um, sort of brands of film? You got Bonds. You got the... my favorite three brands yeah. of film. Are you talking franchises? Yeah, franchises. Yeah. Um, because you're very Bond heavy. I'm a well. I would safely say Bond is one of them. Yeah. Um, I think also as well, it's the most consistent. I mean, funny yeah. enough, when I see the strange thing is, there are movies that I've that I've actually seen over the years where where actually they've actually changed my my perception has changed. So, for example, I'll give you a couple of examples. Octopussy was a movie I didn't particularly go for when it first came out. So I was a bit disappointed. But the funny thing is, when I watch it now in the context of the later ones. It actually is not a bad movie, and I quite like it. Although that said, I think the the circus scene where the bomb's about to go off, but they have this sequence at um, the, the palace in India and stuff. Although it happens to be probably, it's a very on PC film now because it's <laughs> like because um, there's a scene where Amita um, Am, VJ Amritraj, VJ Am, Amritraj, um, who play who's a te- was a tennis player, and he actually plays um, one of Bond's psychics and there's a very funny exchange where he goes he goes um he goes i actually play tennis myself and um roger moore goes what have you learned he goes well my backhand's improved <laughs> but i like the um but the thing is there's a scene where they go to you know like um shadrujin who's the station eye for example he goes oh please be careful so of course in the early sequence he actually sort of um wins two hundred thousand rupees at the restaurant and of course the, he, he gets it cash and then of course he turns to this sadra and he goes oh this will keep you in curry for a week <laughs> it's like it's like it's it's not exactly it's not exactly a, a very subtle thing but i think also i think roger moore does get away with it in that respect anyway so that you know octopus you know i mean man with the golden gun i think is a fantastic um a fantastic bomb movie now because also it's got probably one of the best stunts which is the the 360 degree flip over the bridge which they did oh yes yes um so, but all, the, so the franchises yes back to franchises. the three yeah. franchises bond i would say um i think probably i think the star trek franchise movies yeah. are really good i like those um i think for me star trek the motion picture i have a soft spot for because um when I first saw it in 1980, everybody said, oh, you're going to fall asleep with this. But I was really intrigued by the idea of a space probe becoming... It's great. I mean, really, really good, those yeah. first ones. But, yeah. but the thing is, it's the I like the intriguing idea of a space probe from Earth actually becoming a living, breathing being. And it actually... Beecher. Of... Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they... Do, do, hang on. So you're saying Star Wars and Star Trek? I'd say Star Wars, Star Trek... Um, and I would also say Lethal Weapon, the four oh, yeah. Lethal Weapon films, because I I think the great thing is the consistency of those those things. And I, you know, for me, it's a movie from nineteen eighty seven to ninety two. It's five years that are of glorious action. And this so, this is the trouble is most franchises now um, are just have been ruined by later yeah. things. Because I'm thinking, oh, actually, interrupt you. Down. I think Mission Impossible. I would I would actually oh, put yeah. I put yeah, Bond. Yeah, yeah. Um, I put Bond, Star Wars, Mission Impossible. Star Wars, Star Trek, and Mission Impossible. So there's four. Because so, I think the the way that having seen, I don't know if you, have you seen the new trailer for the Dead Reckoning? Uh, the the new new one. Yeah. No, Watch. There's a the the tra- they've released the trailer for it's Dead Reckoning Part One and Two, and they've kind of gone down the No Time to Die route. Hmm. But the great thing is, is when you watch it, it is really bang for your buck, and it's got an incredible, the very climactic shot in the film is actually of this incredible bike leap from you know where tom cruise is and i you know and it's it's like the um you know it encompasses a lot of the characters like henry zerny from the very first one kittridge you know the one in the you know the aquarium oh yeah, yeah. he's actually back in there and he's actually sort of being very slimy and villainous again so right but, so i got some bond questions right they've all got a mission bonds versus bond who wins Bond versus Bond. Okay. I, okay. Is so, it just okay, Daniel Craig? So, what? are you talking in terms of? Um, They've all got a mission to complete. Go. I pitched this as a film. Oh, I, think, really? I think. I think that, they, that, that when the technology becomes better, they yeah, will have they all back the Bonds the, yeah. in together, and they will. Who did you come film. up with? Did your algorithm bring up? Who wins yeah. out of the fight? 
Well, not a fight. They've all got a mission to complete. They might end up fighting in the end, but I think I think Connery would probably Connery and Bond because they, you know, because they're they're military people and stuff like that. I think that I think Craig probably would be the physical side. I yeah. think um, I would. I think is it's one a, smarter than the rest. You see what I mean? I would. Daniel I, Craig will just get there quicker. <laughs> I still, these I are still. All peak. I mean, these the are other ones are smoking I cigarettes. I probably think. I probably think. I would probably go for Connery. Oh, right. Why? For the simple, well, because I think he has the charm and he has the okay. combination of physicality. When you look yeah. at him in, yeah. when you look at him in things like Thunderball and Goldfinger and the and like I think from Russia with Love, I think that was the most physical element of it that I like. So I'd I, see Roger Moore getting there last. He's more lethargic. <laughs> In his Your humour only gets you so far. In his, in his Zimmer frame. What, what do you come up with? Uh, what, who would yeah, win a, have who, a fight between them all? Well, who would complete the mission first? Oh, who would complete the mission and Maybe first. a fist fight at the end, do you know? Um, Sean's got it all. Sean Connor okay. is the... Yeah. Right. Who was Bond's toughest opponent? Who was the one that gave him... The, who who he would least like to fight again? I would probably go for Frank Sanchez in Licence to Kill. And for what reason? Because Smarter. he literally well, because when it, there's a rock crush, there's a there's a rock crusher in this plant where they, you know, with the with the heroin, the cocaine, the heroin, and actually he's literally hanging literally over it, you know, with with nothing more than his boots, yeah. stuff like that, and he's he's actually hanging hanging on like that, and actually, Francis Sanchez is actually going to kill him like that, but also as well, um, the way that um, Sanchez deals with Milton Crest in that with the exploding in the pressure cooker. Constant. The exploding thing. There's a there's a scene. There's a scene basically where Bond has sort of taken this money from Milton Crest, which is drug money, and he actually sort of uses it to infiltrate the thing. But what he does is he he actually puts all the money back into the um, into this pressure, you know, like yeah. the decompression chamber, and then he opens it up and he goes, "That's not my money." He goes, "No, you're right. That's mine." And then he goes, "You want it so much?" He throws it in there, and of course, you know. You know, and then of course the head explodes, and there's blood over the couch, and then, and then the tension goes. Sanchez, what do we do with money? He goes launder it. <laughs> yeah. Right, have all the henchmen who wins. So you've got odd job, you have got Jaws. I would hand say hand combat. I think I think it's a it's a cross between <laughs> odd job and Jaws. Yeah, it's yeah. it's going to come because I think I think Jaws would. Well, the thing about it is, is Jaws has the teeth. Yeah. But our job has the balls. <laughs> <laughs> right, and the last one. So out of all the uh, females in them, can you remember the countries they've come from, the various countries? Okay, so... Like, um, I don't know anything, but Russia, I'm assuming, comes in. Okay, so um, Honey Rider, I think, is Jamaica. Oh, yeah. Tatiana Romanova is Russian. Yeah. Pussy Galore is British. Oh, yeah. Claudine Augier is French. Um, you only live twice. Is um, Aki is Japanese? Jill mm. St. John is American. Um, what Tiffany Case. What film was the American? Tiffany Case. Oh. That's you only live. Yeah. So, okay. uh, so you only live twice. Aki is um, is Japanese. Jill St. John. Tiffany Case is um, is American. Solitaire is British. Jane Seymour. Um, Mary Goodnight, Britt Eklund, Swedish. Oh, yeah, I would have thought that, yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I'm, just, I'm trying to think. No, that she's, she's the light's getting dimmer. No, she's, no she's, she's also in Man with the Golden Gun. Right, give us one more. Um, and Anya Amasova. Um, Barbara Back is Russian. <laughs> oh, I'll give you an A there, John. Well done, mate. You got an A. And on that sagacious note, we will end there. That's very so impressive. Well That's done, very John. Impressive. <laughs> we will see you next time. Could be larger